0: Nagasaki cops can now wear sunglasses. It did okay. Growing up, you don't realize things until they tell you. So I would have thought that cops are just allowed to wear sunglasses in the west in Canada when I grew up, you know, cops wear sunglasses. I remember as a kid watching the TV show Chips, California Highway Patrol Sexies. Sexy boys. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember what the S stands for. Patrol. Sexy. It's the only word that comes to mind when you see those two hunks of hunks of men. Uh, The scene. I don't remember the show. I do remember. Fuck. This is now. (laughs) My brain's gone. I'm going to talk about chips for a second. Only because if you talk about cops one of my first images is them riding up on motorcycles, wearing sunglasses, probably taking the sunglasses off. That's it. Uh, it was a show about California Highway Patrol officers who were very sexy. Uh, all crime had to be highway related, which already makes it a very complicated story to write. There's several issues there. The, I do remember one episode where it was a kid on a skateboard grabbed onto the bumper of a car and then I guess went on the highway. And so they had to save him. That's the only thing I remember from chips. I'm not going to go back and visit it anyways. So my thought from when I was a child is the cops wear sunglasses. And then we have the the very, very famous CSI Miami where he takes off his sunglasses and goes, and then he says something honestly, not very cool, pretty regular. So, I had never thought that you weren't allowed to wear sunglasses. And it's not that you weren't allowed to wear sunglasses. Uh, They weren't banned outright, but it wasn't, they weren't worn sort of as just something you just didn't do, police in Japan. And they didn't want, because they didn't want to seem intimidating to local people because you want the local people to work with you. You can't be seen as a scary person to approach people with sunglasses. Sunglasses in Japan, very, very connected to the uh, Yakuza lifestyle. I do remember a friend of mine went to a wedding and he said, you know, there's the bride side of the wedding on one side of the church and the groom side of the wedding on the other side of the church. And the bride side, all the guys were wearing sunglasses in the church inside. Uh, so clearly they were trying to send a message that they were like tough Yakuza dude. Anyways, the officers were kind of complaining when they were on patrol. It's very sunny in the summertime. Uh, And it's hard. They're worried about, A, having an accident because of being blinded by the sun, or B, damaging their eye. So to prevent accidents and reduce damage to eye health, also so they can whip them off and do a really cool CSI Miami thing. And let's face it, sunglasses are sexy. You could be more chips-like. So you could put the S in chips. Okay, that's the title theme. Okay, got it. Got it on the second try. This is a story that has come back irregularly. And I'm fascinated by it because it is part of the modernization of Japan as a culture. Demonstrates the resistance Japan has to moving forward and integrating people who are not initially natively Japanese. The thing is, the kids in these stories were born in Japan. They might have mixed heritage, but they were born in Japan. So they're Japanese kids, but they are not. You can see that the country has not come to accept them as Japanese kids yet. 37,000 signatures have been collected calling for an end to hair discrimination. We've done the story of the girl who had naturally brown hair, who was told to dye her hair black, who then damaged her scalp and ended up suing the Osaka uh, school board. We did the story the young boy who decided to wear cornrows to his graduation and then was excluded from his own high school graduation because his, his hairstyle was not approved. The, The thing is that we haven't seen that kind of hair before. Therefore you're not allowed to wear it. Such a bullshit reason. But I mean, that is what they said. The petition is calling for a revision to problematic school rules. And basically these are exclusionary school rules. And they're saying the problem is these school rules encourage bullying. So it's basically State sanctioned, or in this case, board sanctioned bullying by teachers or other students to students who have not naturally black straight hair. So, if you have, there's a story that came out of someone who had naturally curly hair. They had to get a certificate to show to the school board that this was naturally curly hair and that they hadn't been perming it. Uh, there's the brown hair. They had to prove that they weren't dyeing their hair. The school rule needs to be changed. So, d- way back, And this is because I ended up talking about it. People tried to come at me on the internet, but there was a rule that you had as part of the school uniform, you had to wear white underwear. And I saw the immediate problem with that is sooner or later, it means someone has to check if you're wearing the right color underwear. Gross teacher stories are pretty common. I actually cut out, I think two this week, it was a teacher taking upskirt photos and a teacher doing something else creepy. There are a lot of creepy people in a lot of places. So you don't want teachers checking your child's underwear. That was that was it like I was like you know just straight up this is not something you want teachers to do. So they needed to change the rule to the underwear just shouldn't be visible. Cuz I was actually thinking like the girls tend to wear a white shirt so if they wore a colored bra or something it would show through. That would be enough to say you know you have to wear white or a neutral color. But basically make the rule we can't see your underwear. If we can't see your underwear, no problem. I don't actually say what color it is. That's the saving point. This is the same. You have to change the rule. So right now the rule is you have to have black straight hair and it might be to your shoulder or something like very specific about the cuts. What they want to stop students doing is dyeing, perming or changing their hair in such a way. So what they need to actually do is just say your hair needs to be natural. Instead of saying straight black, it needs to be natural and that will solve this problem. But it also means you're going to have to accept that some kids with mixed heritage are going to have different kind of hair. I think that might be where it falls apart. Speaking of high school uh, and international relations, I guess, uh, the relationship between China and Japan is a, a difficult one. This certainly is not going to help. So this popped up on the internet. It was a Chinese high school. They're having like a a sports day or some sort of festival or something. And they decided it would be a really good idea. Which the thing to me, this means this had teacher slash parent approval to go forward. Now, if I was a teacher, uh, I would have said, oh, this is in poor taste, not because of international politics, but because of the content of what we're doing. So this Chinese high school, they say, what we'll do is let's reenact the assassination of Shinzo Abe. Year ago, Abe was giving a speech. He was standing on this like platform, giving a speech for some some political person coming up. A guy with a homemade shotgun walks up and shoots him. It was uh, I don't want to get too into. We've actually talked about this a bunch of times on News Japan. Uh, Anyways. Former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe last year was assassinated. They have a kid standing on a chair. This other kid runs up and like fake shoots him with a shotgun. And then they unfurl this very big produced banner. Again, because this had to be approved by some adult who was like, yes, you kids should reenact an assassination of someone. That's a great idea. The banner said, two gunshots left dead bodies contaminated water leaves a legacy of suffering. And then everyone in the audience was like, oh, excellent. Wonderful play, wonderful message. So what they're talking about is China's very unhappy about the release of some of the contaminated water from the Fukushima power plant into the ocean. Now, studies were done. I I I'm just going off the news. So studies were done, they have international people come in, like third bodies come in, and they said the amount of radiation it's releasing to the water is less than if they did it another way. So they're doing this what they consider the safest way possible. China's saying, no, I don't care. You didn't consult us, you didn't do it the way we wanted it done, so you're doing it wrong, is a very Chinese, anti-Japanese stance to take. They banned all fish imports from Japan to China. A pretty serious reaction. Uh, Japan was actually talking about suing them in the World Trade Organization. So there's all this other stuff happening. The message of the Chinese government is that the Fukushima release of the water is bad. Okay. Uh, that's an opinion. I don't know enough about it. It seems like, from what I've read, but of course I read maybe biased material, I don't know. That this is the best way. Uh, Russia and China were at one point saying you should put it up into the air and it will disperse more so there'll be less in one place at one time. I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, let's just leave it at facts. I don't want to say something that ends up being not true. Uh, I'm fairly ignorant on this issue, but it seems like they've taken steps to make sure that they're doing it the, the safest way possible at the moment. Five years from now, we might find out that was 100 incorrect. 10% That wouldn't surprise me either. The little play these Chinese kids put on though, Shinzo Abe, former prime minister of Japan being assassinated, has nothing to do with Fukushima. He wasn't prime minister. He didn't have anything to do with the release of the wastewater. He was already dead by that time. Uh, They seem to have just decided, let's take a dramatic moment in recent Japanese history, reenact that and connect it to something we don't like. So, the undertone of the violence and the threat is maybe what I don't like. Because if I was teaching my kids, even if there was countries I don't like, I was about to think of if there's a country I don't like. But I've every country I've been to, I've liked. And I've liked the people I've met. I can talk as a teacher. As a teacher, if my students came to me and said, we would like to reenact the assassination from another country. Another country that we traditionally or have been conditioned to not like. The hatred towards other countries in Asia is very much, I believe, nurture, not nature. It's a taught thing. But even as a teacher, I guess, I guess if I was a Chinese teacher, I would think differently. I'm now struggling because I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I as a teacher would not think that reenacting the assassination of anybody is a good thing for students to do. And political criticism I think is fair, but again, I'd like it to be more unbiased maybe is the word I'm looking for. The assassination element puts a tone of violence into this protest that is unnerving primarily because that's just, it's the undertone of violence is constant and that's the issue. I would like them to start looking at politics, international politics as not the prelude to war, the prelude to violence. Because that seems like where a lot of these countries are going and that's what they're teaching their youth and the youth grow up and then they don't have an opportunity to change their thinking. I'm trying to solve world violence and racism. Maybe a 30 minute news-oriented, Japanese-oriented podcast isn't the best format for that. I'm just like, my brain's now going in circles. Like, what would I do? I would absolutely tell my students you cannot reenact an assassination. Uh, You want to make a political statement about releasing the Fukushima water? We could find a way to do that. I don't think it's a good idea. Okay, let's get some statistics up there or something. Sure. Let's talk about alternatives. Okay. Let's reenact an assassination. Sorry, kids. No. Industrial espionage. Not something we've talked about a lot. And it is one of those things I find incredibly interesting because it's two companies and they're stealing secrets and selling secrets and it's espionage, but it's not like spies. It's like normal people could do this kind of espionage, which I think is really cool. So a man was fired in 2022. Let's get back to the whole history of this thing. He was... He was fired for stealing, sus- suspicion of stealing data from a glass bottle manufacturer. So, what they do is in Japan, this Japanese company, they create ultra light glass bottles, glass being easier to recycle. And if it's ultra light, you can make more bottles from less glass. This could be valuable because you could see things like plastic bottles being made more illegal in the future or difficult. So, a very light glass could be the next stage in sort of the environmental gains that they're making in the world. He sold this to a Chinese competitor. He joined the Japanese company 2003. From 2013 to 2017, he was part of the overseas team as an interpreter. And they suspect he stole the information from the company in 2016 as he was working for an interpreter in China and then would have had sort of deeper connections with some of the Chinese uh, employees that he was working with. Maybe they would have convinced him to do it. He was fired because of his suspicious connections to the Chinese in 2022. And around the same time, 189.6 million yen was sent to his wife's company where she is on the board of director. And they didn't really explain why. So what they think, this guy working for this company, this glass company, stole the information, gave it to the Chinese company. The Chinese company paid the wife uh, so they didn't go directly to him in the hopes of hiding it but that 189 million yen is pretty noticeable it was caught pretty quickly so i want to see how this plays out and i actually again very very interested in what is the punishment for corporate corporate espionage no one is physically hurt by it the secondary issue is that the the secrets already out there that chinese company has a secret so they could put this japanese company out of business possibly if they utilize that information to the best of their abilities. Uh, I'm going to be watching this story. I'm hoping we get more information, more comes out in the future, because this is really interesting. Johnny and Associates, uh, we've hit this one the last three weeks in a row now. They had a press conference. And in the press conference, they're going to deal with some of the issues that have been coming up. Like, okay, what are we doing with our company? We're going to change it to Smile Up company and they're going to deal with restitution for the victims of the sexual assault that have happened over the last 20, 30 years. Uh, They need to have a press conference and answer some some questions. So turns out they made a blacklist of outlets and reporters they will not talk to because nothing shows how much you want to like repair a situation than like being like, oh yeah, yeah, we want to be open and transparent, but we're not talking to you or you or you or this company. Uh, We want to redress past issues, but we're not going to talk about specific past issues. The list, so this company called FTI, they put together the the press conference. They are sort of the promotion company, the, the organization that's putting this press conference together. They say that Johnny's didn't have a part in making the list, which I think is almost impossible, because how would they know which companies or which reporters to not allow to ask questions? Unless there's just like, oh, this guy from Ninja News Japan has a reputation for asking the hard questions. Let's just put him on the blacklist. But you know Johnny's must have had some input as to who would and would not ask the worst questions. They claim that the list was made so that the press conference would run smoothly with the limited time uh, the venue was available, which I think is absolute bullshit. I mean, it's all bullshit, of course. They're just trying to get out, dig themselves out of the hole. But of course, you do this kind of stuff. What you're doing is showing just how deep the hole is. The press conference had a one question per company rule. So if you had three reporters from one company, all three of them could only ask one question. Didn't matter how many people were there. Some reporters started shouting out because they weren't being picked. So these were probably the reporters on the blacklist. So they accidentally showed some guy, a reporter, the that there was a blacklist. And he, of course, then went and reported it. And now it's caused a big problem. Uh, maybe Johnny and associates needs to just change the whole tack from. Okay. We, not only were we sexually abusing people and trying to cover it up, maybe we should just stop trying to cover stuff and try to deal with it and try to make the world better. No, no. Let's just keep going down the path we went down before. Cause it works so well. Two Portuguese people tried to get into Japan. Uh, they had 1.8 kilograms of cocaine wrapped in plastic wrap in small balls uh, inside their body. They didn't say, oh, no, they did. They did. They swallowed them. So what they did is they took the 1.8 kilograms of cocaine. They wrapped it into 15-gram balls wrapped in saran wrap or plastic wrap. I have an issue with that. Like, I could swallow a lot of stuff. I, I didn't know. It, it doesn't say. They were 4.5 centimeters long and 2 centimeters wide. So you could swallow that it's pretty big it's a big pill this thing like a like a big big pill uh the plastic wrap i feel like would stick that's all and plastic wrap isn't sealed that's the other issue i got a couple of issues with this i know uh the condoms if a condom break if you fill a condom with cocaine and you swallow it or put it in your body and it explodes you die i guess they're hoping that not many of these will explode What I really wanted to know was how many pills or tiny balls of cocaine that is. So at 1.8 kilograms divided into 15 gram balls, that's 120 balls total between two people. So that's about 60 balls each. A lot of balls. They got caught in the dumbest way possible. So I'm not a great drug mule. I've never done it before. I could call myself inexperienced. I was going to become a drug mule and you're like, okay, Peter, I want you to swallow 60 Bill sized balls of cocaine. Okay. We're going to fly you into another country. When you get to the uh, customs, you're going to say that you're here for tourism. All right. I'm ready. Let's go. Then the customs guy got suspicious. And he got suspicious because they said, We're here for tourism. And the customs guy was like, Where are you going to visit? And they didn't know any tourist places. And I'm thinking, Japan is a very famous tourist destination. Like you don't need to have learned much about Japan to know some of the tourist destinations. Like I want to go to, and then he just, what are the first things that comes to mind? Mount Fuji. I want to go to Shibuya. I want to go to where the Yakuza games take place. Cause like all this nerd stuff is completely valid. Uh, what is it? Kabuchiko? I want to go to, yeah, I want to go to Osaka. I want to go to, it's very easy to start naming stuff off. I didn't do any research. I didn't think about it. Standing in front of a customs officer, you know they ask, oh, a tourist, what are you going to do? You say a couple of places and they're like, fine, I want to go to a traditional Japanese hot spring. The amount of research you would have had to do to get that question right is non-existent. If you've heard of Japan, you could just say a place in Japan. I want to go to Kyoto to look at a temple. And you're, you're home free. You've now taken your uh, 60 balls of cocaine. You poop them out. You pick them out of the toilet. It's not a fun evening. But street value of 43.77 million yen, it was worth doing a little bit of homework for. You have lost that much money and you're probably going to jail. Why? Because you wouldn't do your eight minutes of homework. This is maybe revealing a personal issue I'm having on right now. It would not be a, an episode in Ninja News Japan without some creepy story. I mean, this was actually one of the creepier ones this week. I did I, again. I cut out some of the ones with uh, some creepy teachers and stuff because they just they weren't particularly valuable. They weren't interesting. A 63 year old man was arrested for giving a teen girl a note on a bus. I could stop there. I, you know, it gets grosser, but I could be like, I'd leave it up to your imagination. Let your imagination run wild and uh, see see how your brain ends up. Okay, the note said, Oji-san will teach you sex education. It says more than that. Uh, Oji-san, for those of you who don't speak Japanese, would be like old man or uncle, that kind of thing. So oji will teach you sex education. So this to me indicates, I was interested in the note itself and the contents because it shows what kind of brain space he was in when he was writing it. He knew that he was going to be targeting young to underage girls. This girl was 17. He's 63. So that's a pretty big age gap. So he used oji on purpose because he knew he as an older man was going to be talking to the younger women. So he had a target in mind when he wrote this note which again pre-gross he hasn't even done the gross thing yet and he's already like in the gross mentality the note continues i used to direct adult videos i used to be an actor now it doesn't say an actor in adult videos but i'm going to connect those two and assume that's what he meant he is trying to i guess show that he is physically capable adept skilled at these acts in the hopes of enticing the young woman to contact him. He did include his contact information in the note. So I do have one question. Was this note typed out that do you sit down at the computer and type it up and then print out multiple so you could just hand them out at random? Or did he write it out and then just plan to give one girl a thing? Because there's a statistical odds thing here, right? If he gives it to a thousand girls, maybe one will answer in a positive way. But if he just had one, he had to like pick the girl. So there's a different feeling there, both gross, but a difference in sort of what his uh, his his tack was in this, Uh, including his contact information may have been his downfall because the young girl on the bus took the note. She went to the police and said, this gross old man gave me this letter. This is his phone number or his other like his email or something please track him down and have him arrested. And that is exactly what the police did. So do I need to give advice on this one? Don't include your contact information. But now the guy's like sitting there going like, but if I don't give my contact information, how is she going to contact me for all the crazy weird sex? So you have created a dilemma for yourself, uh, in that you should have grown up and realized this was a bad idea.